I don't want a pickle. I just want to ride on my motorcycle. All right, everybody, welcome. This is the Dokomoto Podcast, episode number 191. I'm your host, Moto G Pete. With me is your other host, Swiggy. Yep. And returning extra special, uh, extra most bestest friend of the show, Dr. Mike Action. Hey. And we're here at Nokomoto headquarters, which is also Moto One Podcast Network Studios recording suite A. I holy okay. You really do talk that fast. And uh, yeah. I just thought I had my podcast on 1.5 speed. You've done the show with us before, <laughs> Mike. So I never noticed this before. We uh I have been at it. Like me and the president of the Moto One Podcast Network have been at it like cats and dogs because so the legal department fucked up our media credentials for AMA Vintage Days, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, heads are gonna roll. Uh, but I've got Liza from the Misfits on the case putting in a word with the president of the AMA on our behalf because the president of Moto One can't be trusted with the most basic shit. Uh, although we do need Liza's help because I may have sent an insulting response to the Mid-Ohio race course when we were told that we didn't get our media credentials. And it's something I might have to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> we'll update you later on how that turns out but but true story yeah i told them to have a blessed day after i told them that we'd been rejected by fancier people before <laughs> um yeah 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 uh yeah so anyway whew, moving on we have a uh, a good amount of show. This is season this is the season 6 season finale, episode 191 here. I was hoping we were going to get a movie uh commentary recorded tonight, but we don't have time for that because we are preparing to head to Mid-Ohio. The three of us plus Claire plus Cam Chaboy is going to be with us and Appropriately, we have all just cracked a Natter Days, which, as far as I'm concerned, isn't just the official drink of AMA Vintage Days. I suggest, uh, maybe I dictate, that Natter Days is the official drink of Ohio. Just putting it out there. Well, so it's no secret I'm a connoisseur of bad alcohol, right? So, like, Swigs, what, what do I insist that we drink whenever we're in Texas? Oh, Lone Star. Of course. Yeah. It's almost a strict diet of, of Lone Star and nothing else. I mean, you can... you can. We only do get a case of, of PBR as well. When but... we feel fancy. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when I am in Ohio, I like to, I like to get down with some Natter Days. And it's, it's a documented thing. And I'm just getting myself in the mood. Look, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really take a really satisfying swig on mic here, okay? This is going to gross a lot of you out. So if you can't stand people drinking on microphone, just, just take your headphones off for a second. But listen to how this, this is so... Oh. 
Ah, oh, yeah. That's what I remember. Because you can't drink Natter Days all year long, sadly. I would, but... And we've also got... There's now, I didn't know this. There's a, there's a second Natter Days. Um, I mean, it just says natural light, but it was, it was pineapple lemonade, but it doesn't say, I don't know. Does it say Natter Days on it? I thought it did. Oh, it does. Okay. It It is officially a second Natter Days. I don't know how I didn't know about this. So in part two of the podcast, when we play our games, we're going to be getting down with the with the pineapple natter days. Now, I don't know why this is important information for the listeners, <laughs> but Cleveland Moto has a lot of listeners and they make sure everybody knows exactly what they're drinking at the top of every show. So I figured maybe that's something we can start working in here, right? We've been at it, you know, these last couple episodes trying to add new games, new kinds of content. We're just going to let you know what we're drinking, maybe, and how gross it is, uh, you know? But Cleveland Moto seems to want us to know exactly what kind of off-brand whiskeys that they're doing. I I can get down with that. I mean, you know, you know I'm you, sure you the week little, that we uh, get back, verbal. we're going to have some old Crow or some old mm-hmm. Granddad, maybe some early times, right? <laughs> You should do a little tour of your, a little verbal tour of, maybe not right now, but of your whole uh, headquarters. Uh, you I, got your little Lambretta teapot right here. Oh, people know about the mm-hmm. teapot. Uh, you know, you recording little, Sweet A Italian is English so dictionary fucking I fancy. Swiggy. I don't want to make people feel bad about their own existence. I, I mean, last week we got our chairs replaced with Anada Dreamwave massage chairs. I mean, these things are like $13,000. I was wondering where those old teak chairs went. Right. They just <laughs> so, chucked them yeah. out the window? Um, I, I, I was lighting cigars with them. But anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, we moved all the wingback chairs into the smoking lounge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's... What are we going to do on this show? So we have a bike update... We have travel plans that we need to let people know about. We have a news item we want to cover. Then we've got the games. We're going to do, of course, Best Worst Bike. We're going to do a quick round of Made Up Motorcycle with a Patreon-suggested topic. And Finally, we're going to end with a quick round of MCLU, our new game. MCLU is the official name now. The Motorcycle Civil Liberties Union is is what I've decided it's called. Okay, so what do we want to do first? We want to do the bike update, Swigs? Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right, take us away. Uh, so we have a new member in the family. Uh, today... About six hours ago, I purchased a 97 Honda Valkyrie. I love it. And it is pretty, like, pretty pristine. You have to look pretty closely to actually tell that it's not a new bike. So was it one owner before? What's the history on this thing? Uh... I have no idea. I have to assume it's one owner, though. So, this bike came with 
um, with one of the saddle, one of the pannier options um, from the factory. Uh, it had the bag, and it, these are essentially the same bags, the same panniers that come on like the Vulcan Nomad, um, which, like, even the same ones that were on like like the two thousand. They're not form. exactly the same, but they're pretty close. They actually look a little bit more substantial. Like they may be a bit of a more of an upmarket version of that bag. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was if they were supplied by the same company that that designed and built the bags for Kawasaki. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got the bag liners as Th- well. That's sweet. Um, it came with. Um, so it did have some aftermark parts on it. It had kind of like the the Harley style like cruiser um like whistle tips. It's got some fishtail exhaust like on fish it. Tail. That's a little bit weird, but yeah. Um and it's got some chrome side covers. But after I bought the bike, I found treasure. In the saddlebags were the um or not the saddlebags, they're hard bags. Um in the bag liners were the original um, tailpipes and the original side covers. So it has all the original parts. Okay. Now, how many miles are on this bad boy? Uh, 58,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's nothing for this motor. Yeah, we've got another 42,000 miles before we have to do any belt changes. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Um, so so a cup holder? Oh, well, uh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, we, okay. So, so th- this month, like you rode, uh, the, the 89 GL 1500. So you kind of experienced this engine and I, cause you had mentioned that you were into this bike at this dealership before, but then you kind of stopped talking about it. And then you called me early this morning and you said, so I'm headed by the dealership. There's this there's this CBR F4I that looks pretty good, and I kind of headed you off at the pass there. I was like, "Don't get your hopes up. I've seen yeah. this F4I. It's good, but it's not as it's not good enough to pull the trigger." So I, when I went to look at it, there were quite a few red flags. I mean, the bike overall looked pretty good, and it was but not in, for six thousand dollars. It, it was in good condition you know, for a bike that old, but there were some serious red flags. Um, for $2,400, I would have been in on that F4I all day, but not for six. I, I might've done it for like four, but like, first of all, um, the non-factory key. Yeah. That's kind of a big one. Um, the incredibly sketchy wiring for the phone mount that they left on it, which I don't know why you would leave that on if you were trying to sell this bike. Um, Do you remember the words I said to you about this thing? I said, overall, it's very good, but it has what? uh, I don't know what you said. I said sketchy hardware, just in general. And that's what I was talking about. the, The phone thing, plus... It had the the trashiest thing that any sport bike could oh, ever yes. have. The so it had an aftermarket black windscreen, and the the um, the bolts holding the new windscreen on were like this weird, like rose gold 
anodized spikes. Oh, yeah. that's hot. Uh, yeah, that was an early 2000s <laughs> sport bike move. Yeah. And yeah. And then, in a way, I feel like it's period correct. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back, back to the that. bear wires. So do you remember when I bought a new motorcycle two weeks before we went on a 1,000-mile Was it even two to... weeks before? I, I remember that time. <laughs> Probably yeah. 10 days before. That had a bunch of aftermarket parts that had been like ripped off the bike and the bare wires and remember all the engine problems that had yeah that was it was, was computer those, problems yeah it was computer problems and it was just those bare wires like the o2 sensor and crap just sucking yeah. energy from it okay yeah well there was probably like eight miles of loose cable under the seat of that <laughs> yeah. bike as well. <laughs> That's all gone now. So um, so yeah, you showed up to see this F4i. You yeah. were you were kind of disappointed, and then the Valkyrie just happened to still be there, I guess. Or did you did you consider anything else? What really swayed you over there? Um, I mean, so I was kind of of a mindset of I hadn't had a sport bike yet, and this F4i, if it is exactly like if it's just great in every way, six grand is is steep for an F4i. But, um, it you know if everything's good and it's just ready to roll, then then fuck it, let's do it. Because it might be hard to find. I mean, if I were to ask you to find a pristine F4i right now, that's like not fucked up in any way. You're kind of going to struggle. So, like, if that yeah, was I mean, the we can do it given nine months, but yeah, to do it this week is kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, it would have just been you know kind of well, well, fuck it, let's do it. Um, but when I looked at it and saw all the red flags, and it's like, and it's like all this for six grand. It's like, uh, let's go have another look at the at the Valkyrie because that was solid from and. After I bought it, discovered it was even more solid than I thought it was, and that it had been meticulously taken care of. Um, yeah, so after I test rode it, um, and it's it's actually smoother than than Cam's Goldwing. Oh, you think so? Okay. It's it pulls like Cam's Goldwing. Um, but it revs like the Norge does. Oh yeah, because of those six carburetors. Yeah, that's that's the that's the whole thing with the Valkyrie. It's it's like let's just unleash this motor as, as much as we reasonably can for this application. Yeah, and um, every, it all there's no way it's correct with uh, on the power numbers because everyone just copies the Goldwing numbers over. I'm pretty sure it's an extra 10 horsepower. Yeah. It's got to be that at least, because they say like 100 horsepower at 6,000 RPM, but this, it it just pulls so well. It's it's ridiculous. Um, well, and this is our first real bit of American iron, too. Yeah, made in America. It must be said. Yeah, the 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 Goldwing. Well, this is made in Ohio, isn't it? Yeah, the Goldwing fifteen hundred GL fifteen hundred and the Valkyrie, designed in America by Americans 
by Honda of America, a company which was founded in 1959 and 100%, I believe, manufactured in Ohio. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's, this is, this is an American bike. It's as American as it gets. Actually, I believe I'm willing to bet it is way more American made than the majority of Harley Davidson's that have ever rolled off an assembly line. Yeah. Well, it, it also has an effect on the Harley crowd. So I bought this. At Wild West Motorsports here in Greeley, which... Oh, I thought you got it at Tri-City. No, I got this... No, it's Wild West. So this was in... So you left one dealership to go to the other. I did. Oh. So this makes a lot more sense now. So Wild West is kind of probably what a lot of kind of rural um, people are used to, which is a Harley-Davidson dealership with like 10% import inventory of various Japanese bikes, maybe some Yamahas, maybe some Hondas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole the, the quote metric side only exists to sell used bikes and Yamaha and Honda dirt bikes and side-by-sides. Yeah. Yeah. So this bike so even there where, you know, if you're doing anything not Harley related at a dealership like this, then there's, I don't know. Yeah, you get the salesman with the what, lazy eye and his ties like, crooked. What's yeah. like the the equivalent like term, like mall rat term for weird old dudes who hang around dealerships who are in no way associate, affiliated with the dealership? The Harley Davidson riders, yeah, like the Hog Group, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it's basically like clerk. dealer rats. Yeah, I, yeah. It's like clerks, except it's you know it's it's Jay and Silent Bob, except they're in their seventies and they're jamming out to Aerosmith outside the Harley Davidson dealership. Yeah, they're cosplaying. It's yeah, they yeah mm-hmm. yeah. So even them who are always, you know, the when are you gonna get a real bike? Hey, that can crap. you refill the popcorn machine? And we're getting low on coffee. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Yeah, even they were kind of like we're we're a little had a little bit of respect for for the Valkyrie. Of, you know, of all the different bikes, like even the Fury is still. Like, yeah, they're like, well, if you're gonna buy a bike that's for total pussies, at least it's this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, and it, even like, even like when I was getting it, like you know, there was a, there's a weird break in character that was very subtle at the dealership where, because you know, like every dealership is your best, every 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 salesman at a dealership is your best friend, right? Yeah. You know? And they're always like, "Oh, you're gonna love this bike. It's so great. It's such a great motor." And like, and they kind of did that whole speech. And then like, there are a few times where there's just a pause where they're just looking at like, and they just kind of broke. And they're like, "Actually, this is a really good bike. This is this is kind of cool." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they're just like, "Like I was bullshitting before, but like, actually now that I, hmm, this is this is actually a really compelling thing." <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a great big hunk of of American steel and it's it's super cool cuz it's a flat 6 which 
is I I'm not aware of another flat six motorcycle, right? Flat fours are super duper rare, and there's like four of those, and two of them are Volkswagen motors, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, as far as a flat six configuration, I'm only aware of the Goldwing. And it's such a good configuration. I mean, isn't one of the flat fours the Amazonas? Or is that a twin? The Amazonas is a Volkswagen motor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's the French one based on the Renault motor. And there's a, there's two different ones that use um, Volkswagen motors. And then there's one. Then there's the Wooler flat four. And I'm really struggling for flat four bikes after that. Uh, was the aerial square? That's a flat four, isn't it? No, it's a square four. Oh, it's like two right. twins, one in front of the other. Oh, bleh, yeah. Um, and they're just geared down yeah. together in the center. Uh, the yeah. So, but for a flat six, it's pretty much just the Goldwing, and it's yeah. such a great engine configuration. I can't believe BMW hasn't done it. It's like let's just put, let, let's just take our flat twin and just. Let's just line them up. How hard could that fucking be? Honda doesn't own fucking flat sixes, right? Subaru makes them, right? Porsche makes flat sixes. I, did, I, I don't know why this is so hard for someone else to get done, but I, I don't know. Well, I mean, generally aren't flat fours, like, aren't flat motors a little, like, finicky to make? I mean, they do I mean have... you've got to have your shit together. Yeah, it's an expensive motor to make. But, mm. I, you know, if, if you're a company that can get away with making a premium product like BMW, why the fuck not? Yeah. You know, let's let's take let's take this flat motor configuration that they're already in love with and let's add more cylinders. We know what that does, you know, for really? engine life, for, for, for smooth power, for high revving, for all sorts of things. Would it overheat? Um, no, well, I saw that awesome big radiator on the front of it. No, it's looking cool. Yeah. That was hard to miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, what a weird combination. Six carburetors, but liquid cooled. Uh, it's wild. The only, the Achilles heel of the Valkyrie is the fact that you really, really do want to take it into a pro for regular carburetor servicing because if you lose a float valve because of that big old electric starter on there, if you lose a float valve and one of those cylinders fills up with gas you will you know, hydro lock the, the you will fucking just, you will turn the engine instantly. You'll turn the whole bike into a boat anchor instantly because you'll try to start it. And the piston will try to compress, you know, a, a, a cup and a half's worth of gasoline into the, into the top of one of those cylinders and just break the shit apart. So the only thing with the Valkyrie is like every year, you need a hardcore, awesome Honda mechanic to just take a good look at the carburetors. But outside of that, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to take it for a spin. 
I mean, I've just done a lot of miles on one of those engines and I loved every second of it. So I, I'm super excited to see what a lighter version with a f- couple more horses in there is is going to be like. Yeah, I do love like Honda's like marketing for it where they're talking about, you know, like, oh, you know, we did a lot to really take a lot of weight off this compared to the Goldwing. It's like um, and one of the things they took off was the reverse gear. Yeah, like, you know, it's the one thing you would have liked to have kept. We really needed to shave that three pounds off the the bike to be able to to run the starter in reverse. Yeah, I'm not even sure how it, it ends up weighing that much. Is it just the linkage that? I don't know. Um, I I don't know how they would set it up so that it would be like ergonomic and intuitive and not look weird on the bike. Because on the Honda, um, I can't remember offhand. I want to say it's high 600s. It might be like high 600s dry. Um, Okay. I I think it's it's only like 50 to 60 pounds lighter than the same year Goldwing. Oh, really? Hmm. I would have thought, I don't know, without the top box... Without the full fairing, without the CB radio, without the onboard air compressor, without all... Ah, uh. You do have the six carbs on there, and you do have a full steel gas tank on there. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you don't have the tank underneath the seat, so it's not quite as... L- it, it Weirdly, you'd think with it being lighter, it would handle better than the Goldwing, but... Eh. The center of gravity is... is it's still great, but it is noticeably higher than on the Goldwing. Yeah, the the thing with the Valkyrie is it's really just it's just what the GL one thousand should have been, and literally because the GL one thousand was originally supposed to be a flat six, even so. Okay, uh, let's keep moving on in bike news. I did some tinkering with the Lambretta. And got it up to 36 miles per hour. Now, this doesn't sound super sexy news, but it it is a little bit, let me tell you. I had to get in there, and I know I was talking about how parts for these things aren't super-duper hard to get, but specifically the parts for the ignition that I wanted for this very early serial number engine, not super easy. So I just had to go in there and just finagle these old, worn, fucked out points and the ignition timing to just the best it could be until I get new parts and then unfuck the carburetor from what the person before did to it. Because you rode it, Swigs, and you, as soon as we went into second gear, it just it just gave up, right? Yeah, it was struggling. Right. <laughs> it was like, okay, we can find this one little power band in first gear at this exact RPM. As long as you just hold that, you'll keep making power until you're doing about... 19 miles an hour in first gear if even and that's the best we can do uh i managed to get it yeah uh uh, significantly better than that but i but yeah with the with the the phone gps 
30, 60 kilometers per hour was the max speed that I hit. It kind of rode a lot like how I would expect like a Honda Grom to ride like 200 miles in with no oil. Yeah. <laughs> it was just no it's a lot better now it's it, a lot it, better it, was, it, it kind of was running the way you would expect a motor to run before it smoothed out as it was about to seize yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it, i know what you're saying yeah so anyway the point is is that i've got it running well enough that it is pr- it, I, i've got the carb set up well enough it's like one kick one start the fueling's great now mm-hmm. so it's reliable and we're going to be riding that shit around uh, mid Ohio. And so we're going to be heroes between the Honda gyro and the Lambretta. We're going to be something to be seen. Well, plus Mike's tangerine Vespa Mm -hmm. and whatever weird shit you come up with swigs. And uh, then Claire's 79 Vespa. We have some cool shit there. Uh, Also, I bought an inflatable T-Rex outfit. I bought a blow up sex doll. I got some LED lights for the gyro. And um, I got some other weird shit. I can't remember. It's going to be great, though. All right. Now, uh, Swigs, do you have. You know what? Actually, we need to review some Patreon shit now because we haven't. We haven't thrown a whole lot of love their way for a while. First of all, we should welcome our Shane, a Patreon member who joined in at the $15 level, the Moto Ooh. Slut level. So I believe uh, this month, no, next month, I think he's getting a sticker. And then the month after that, he's getting a mug. Now, Mike, you mm-hmm. you received one of these stickers and mugs. I did. Didn't you? I did. Yeah. I mean, like you know us. You're on the show. I don't know why you felt the need to to give the money, but we are insanely grateful nonetheless. Um, I, I don't know. Like, can you just describe the 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 extreme luxury of drinking from a Nokomoto mug? Oh, oh my God. I mean, the uh, coffee tastes better, right? Uh, on the air? I don't think I can. <laughs> it's too personal, Peter. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I took a sip uh, 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 of coffee from from your Nokomoto mug, mm-hmm. and it, it tasted like someone had spiked it with whiskey. I, I did spike it with whiskey. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I thought maybe it was the magic of the mug, <laughs> but okay. Um, and... Uh, I've confirmed this with several other Patreon members. The sticker that you get, it was supposed to just be the alternate logo of the show. Oh yeah, that was like, a surprise to you. Like yeah, the was... and uh, somehow for some reason, and I I know this. Um, Patreon is still after I emailed them and told them that they fucked up. They're still sending out a version of that sticker with inverted colors. I thought I don't it was know on why. purpose. So it's like super duper special edition. Because like if you meet us in person, I'll just give you one of these stickers. But only by being a patron do you get the special inverted colors one. So that is worth it also. Not to mention the the uh other kind of access you get, like 
Against Swig's recommendation, I gave early access to the Nokomoto app to all the patrons. Um, at some point, everyone's going to be able to use it. That's probably going to be the week after we get back because I, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to make a new domain with AWS is what I'm going to do. It's like, we're just going to say fuck it to the old email is what we're going to do. And we're going to come up with a new email is what's going to happen, I think. So are are patrons still losing stuff then? Like if they type something, if they're like, oh, I'm going to type this great message and it'll be there. No, no, the database is the database. It stays. Yeah, just just the address that you have to type in to get to it Uh, will change. That's the only thing. So. It, it, it's 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 not complicated, but it'll sound complicated, and I'll get things wrong because I've been drinking if I try to describe why. But it doesn't matter. So if you want to do special things, I'm trying to do a lot more special things for patrons, for Patreon supporters or whatever the fuck you call them these days. We've got more. We're, we're going to be doing more polls and doing special things for them. So it's going to be a good time. Sign up for that. All right. It's been half an hour, roughly. Are we ready to go into... Oh, wait, no, Swigs. You want to do the Harley Davidson thing. Yeah. So this was, what, mid-June this story dropped? Or it may have even been, like, late May. It's, it's a little while ago. It's a month. It's a story that's a month or two old. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting one. Um, I don't think it's worth bringing up just a little bit because, again, as we... This fuckery is happening. Well, this is this isn't this isn't the new fuckery with software and hardware and lockouts and serialization. But this is kind of a a, a bit more of a classic fuckery uh, that one people should be aware of and n- have a little bit more knowledge of the law. Um, but also know that like this is something everyone does, and yet this isn't a great reason to be super anti Harley Davidson. Um. So, Harley Davidson got uh, sued by the, uh, shit, now I don't have it in front of me, I can't remember what it's called. ACLU. No, the the federal, the trade, not, not trade, fuck, I'm forgetting it now. The DMV? The the equivalent of like the FEC or the FCC for the for just for business. Um, the Better Business Bureau. No, no. The, the federal, <laughs> not important. Anyways, federal the gov- Trade Commission. The government sued a regulatory agency sued Harley Davidson, and they specifically did it around the way they were misrepresenting warranties. And the problem with this is the problem with what they were doing is essentially they were within manuals and on sales material you know after you had actually bought the bike they were putting notices on that said if you uh modify the bike or have maintenance done on the bike by a non harley certified uh, mechanic or a dealership that you had invalidated your warranty. Hold on, real quick. Breaking news. Uh, 
So the Natter Day's pineapple lemon is a little bit gross, which is Shocker. good. Well, I mean, well, it's like, you know, when you first taste Natter Day's and you're like, oh, my God, how can anyone ever deal with this? But like seven Natter Days later, you're like, I get it now. This is going to be the same experience. Like you don't want the first one to be good. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I've never hit anything that's like pineapple flavored, and on the first sip, it's anything but bo to me. Like it's always bo in my mouth. Every pineapple. That's a good way to put this. Mm-hmm. Like, on, do you want to take the first you wanna, sip? You want to do this? Not sip? out of yours, but well, here, take another <laughs> one. Here, I think it's, this is this is way better pod than whatever Swiggy was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Like, give me one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, right to repair. You got. You got to. Yeah. You got to open it real loud in the mic swigs. Come yeah. on, give it a good crack. Watch out, Cleveland. Yeah. Excellent, Mike. Good form. Yeah, a little bo. I don't think it's bad. It's got um. It tastes like the first time you had strawberry natter days in the sort of uncomfortable, yeah. unpleasant way, but you know you're going to get used to it. Yeah, I drink it. We'll see. Hmm. Well, it's a good thing. We're going to be drinking a lot of this shit this week. You know, I'm spoiled. I'm like a, I'm like a nice beer guy, and I hate natty light or <laughs> natty ice. But uh, but this stuff, I drink several of these, both of them. Again, you're going to drink more than several. Trust me. <laughs> All right, swigs. So, right, right to repair. Right. So, so this isn't a. Um, so, essentially, just to go back over it real quick. Uh, so, Harley Davidson was sued by the government because they had put in materials and they were telling in sales materials and they were telling customers um, that if they used third party parts or had regularly required. Um, warranty mate irregular maintenance routine maintenance done required to preserve the warranty done by a third party mechanic that it would invalidate their warranty right now this is this is very i i don't i think this might be part of the image of the original um right to repair act or the, the warranties act um and it's kind of obnoxious, but this is something that most people should probably know about, which is the way that regulations essentially work in America is, for the most part, everything is just handled amicably by all parties involved, and people will generally do the things they are supposed to do. But ultimately, if somebody denies you a warranty... Or doesn't do something they're legally obligated to do. Uh, you can go and you can scream at them all you want. Uh, but ultimately, the only thing you can actually do to make them do something is to sue them. Right. Is to actually get in front of a judge and say, hey, they they were required to do this. They didn't do it. Now let's have the court order them to do it. Which is usually okay, but... The reason we have these regulatory agencies that go after on the behalf of consumers, that go after companies like this on behalf of consumers, is because uh, 
if you're just if you are just going to make every single customer go and sue you, then that's going to be kind of a big barrier to uh, regular commerce. That's kind of not a great system. So, uh, some things people should know about warranties in the U.S. You, uh, well, kind of tangential, uh, kind of closely related to this. Um, if you ever buy like any kind of electronic device and it's got like that tamper seal sticker sticker on it that says warranty voided if removed. Like on mattresses. It's, it's not real. <laughs> it's totally not a real thing. Under penalty of law, did not remove that. You know, I, I, you know, I've bought a lot of mattresses in the last few years. Weirdly, did those tags go away? You know, I just bought a mattress like two weeks ago. Kids mattress. It didn't have that tag on it. What? Yeah. What happened to that? I think everyone realized it was ridiculous. Like Grimace and all the other McDonald's old school logos. <laughs> so it was like, you know what? I don't think people are going to take us seriously as a company with Mayor McCheese anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Don't, Bring don't back try. the Hamburglar. Hamburglar solid. Hamburger, Hamburglar was OG thug. But <laughs> M- Mayor McCheese is just straight up ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, t- Semis still have, like, when they're hauling crap, they still have that sign on the back that says, like, if, if shit falls off of our semi and you're within, like, 300 feet, it's your fault. Yeah, that's also a bullshit yeah. one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so that still exists. Yeah, so another one that they always Thanks say, for bringing us back, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so another one um, that's also completely false is um, installing or using third-party components. You can absolutely do that, and it does not void your warranty. Now, if you logically think about it, that would kind of seem like a problem because, well, how do you know that the third-party component that you added didn't cause the issue? And this is where we have an amazing consumer protection clause, which is, when it comes to warranties, if a modification that the customer did is the reason that the the product failed, it is up to the manufacturer to prove that. So nice. they say, well, you changed this, so we don't know that this didn't break it. You as a consumer can just say, fuck you, prove it. And if it's, you know, some really dodgy part, they're going to be like, well, we'll we're going to take pictures of this thing that clear this bo- this botched part that's clearly not in spec and mangled, you know, whatever other part it was made it to and that'll be that. Uh but no, like they actually have to prove that your component replacement was what caused it, the the machine to fail. Now they're not required to warranty that third party part. But they, if anything else on the bike breaks, they have to prove that it was because of that in order to not uh, service the warranty. Um, yeah, so there's that. And they're also not allowed to 
force you to use any particular service to do the maintenance. And the maintenance has to get done, but they cannot force you to go to a Harley-Davidson dealership and pay Harley-Davidson dealership rates to have the maintenance done. Now, I want to interject you real quick. So that's really the crux of it to me. And what I don't know exactly how similar this is in the law to this, but this really reminds me of the Microsoft antitrust stuff. It sounds so familiar to the the legal arguments made around, well, you're running Windows, we're going to force you to use Internet Explorer. Right? Like, well, you bought a Harley-Davidson, you have to use Harley-Davidson service. Um... It's it's sort of it's almost like this weird antitrust kind of thing. It's like, look, you no. Oh, it's we totally have antitrust. To, right. We have yeah. to draw the line somewhere because otherwise you're forcing someone completely into your ecosystem. And that's antitrust is essentially the crux of the argument here for all this right to repair stuff. Is look it sounds crazy that it's up to the company to prove that your modification broke it, but it's either we're in your walled garden or everything's lit, everything's up, you know, for, for, for whatever the customer wants to do. Well, I want to live in the world where we get to do whatever we want personally. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Is your mechanic in network or out of network? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How well was this? <laughs> do you just want throw, just leaving that out there? Yeah, instead of Geico, do you want an HMO going <laughs> monitoring your motorcycle maintenance? I think this is a really good idea, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that is essential. I mean, literally, it sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but yeah, like, do you want an HMO? Like looking over what you can and can't do to service your motorcycle. That's basically what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So now, so from, I haven't seen like all the stuff that they, that they're calling out and suing over, but if from all the articles, all the facts that are laid out and all the accusations, if they're true, this all seems totally legit. It makes perfect sense. Um, now, the one thing I will say is, like, if you're if you're particularly anti Harley Davidson, this isn't really all that much more ammunition to add onto the pile, because I one hundred percent promise you that essentially every single automotive manufacturer is doing this in one way or another. Honda is yeah, doing this. Yeah, this is like when Volkswagen got caught this. with the emissions. Everyone's doing it. They're just the ones that are getting their wrist slapped. Yes, this happens everywhere, all the time, to varying degrees. At once. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, the only thing, though, is what are we? Uh, uh, 33 months off from when they got um, slapped for the... Uh, Essentially, the Volkswagen thing with the power commanders. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had their own in-house power commanders that they were selling to people that just totally made the bikes illegal emissions-wise. 
And they just thought, oh, well, we'll just sell it to them on a different sheet of paper than the bike, and that'll make it legally okay. Which I'm all in favor of, personally. uh, (laughs) I mean, the cheating emissions isn't great, but... Why can't Harley Davidson... It would be so easy for Harley Davidson... Like okay, so Harley Davidson has Livewire, right? A legally distinct company from Harley Davidson. Why can't Screaming Eagle just be its own company? That it would have been so simple, but Harley just wants to charge extra money by putting that badge and shield on every single piece of hardware, and it's, it's their own greed that got it. If they could have just made Screaming Eagle its own separate company and made it a different store across town. They would have got away with all of it 100%. But they got greedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Honda, how, how about we start, like, you know, like, screaming Blackbird, right? Hire us, okay? <laughs> I, I, we can't go scream. It's got to be screeching Blackbird, right? <laughs> or screeching Hawk. Screech and Hawk should be the Honda aftermarket illegal illegal parts or illegal performance parts store across town for sure. Did, did you say illegal or legal just now? Both. <laughs> I mean, it's it's whatever, right? It's whatever you want it to be. I mean, these are these are parts that are not. It's going to say on the box that they are definitely not for putting on. 2022 CBR 1000 RRRs like they're specifically not for that right <laughs> is this is this like the, the the same mitigation strategy as like the synthetic weed not for human consumption stickers yeah spice yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh-huh yeah yeah like, it's sort of like automotive bath salts it's gonna be fine <laughs> it's gonna be fine guys Honda I, think just, I think we just found the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's well, like that, prohibition I, recipes. For, well, that, that do was not combine while. this or you will make wine. Okay. I think it's time that we get into the games. Do we want to take a quick break before we do that? Or should we just go into the games? Uh, let's take a quick break. All right. Let's do the thing. <laughs> And we're back, so it's time to now do the games. This is how I think we're going to try to keep doing the show. We're going to do a little bit of bullshitting before, and then we're going to get to the games. So now that we have more games we can play, we are going to do multiple rounds, multiple shorter rounds of games per episode. So we are going to start with Best Worst Bike. After that, we're going to do a quick round of Made Up Motorcycle. And then after that, we're going to do a quick round of MCLU. All right, so ready. Swigs, you ready to do Best Worst Bike? I am. Okay, so here we go. First off, everybody, remember to leave a rating and review for the show because it's your cost of admission. We're giving you what you want. This is your crack. Best and worst bike in the world this week. This is the part of the show where we each have picked a different motorcycle. We don't know what each other have chosen. It's always a surprise. Now, we reserve the right to be wrong. So, fuck your feelings. Swigs, you have worst bike in the world this week. I do. Awesome. Are you ready to reveal it? I am. Okay. And the worst bike in the world this week is... 
the 2012 to 2017 Honda Goldwing. Wait, what? Okay, so the last phase of the first GL... So this is So this is technically the second half of the fifth generation of Goldwing. So essentially right. the the not the current generation but the last generation. Okay. All right. And here's my reasoning. There is if you do not already own this bike, there is absolutely no way that you can possibly walk into a dealership and look at the price of these and oh, not say, "Oh, the resale fuck it, is I'll so get a, high." I'll yeah, just, fuck it, I'll just get a current year. Yeah, so, like for, as an example, I, when I was at Wild West today, and you know, this is something I've remarked upon several times, which is there's really no Goldwing between like. Like four and fifteen thousand dollars. Uh, it's it, these days. It's more like seven and fifteen thousand dollars. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, like there's they fall off a cliff at a certain point, but that cliff is a real big drop. Yes. Now, I was at Wild West today, and sitting right next to the Valkyrie was a 2016 uh, Goldwing with. 65,000 miles on it, $18,500. Before dealers... It's only $4,000 more for a new one. Yeah, for a new one, that's almost, that's over 90 pounds lighter, more power, a four-valve motor, all sorts of... Longer service intervals. The wishbone uh, front suspension, Uh the smaller profile... Apple CarPlay, if that does it for you. Yeah. Uh, Did it still have a warranty? A uh, 16? I doubt it. Yeah. I don't think so. But when you look at that, even if, you know, if, if you are paying cash, then maybe you may say, well, you know, maybe 16, maybe six or seven grand. It kind of makes sense to me not to do this. But that's also without the warranty. These are the kind of bike that you do take into the dealership to get maintenance. You don't if you're paying this kind of money, you just pay the mechanic to do all the maintenance for you. But in what to how many people does it would it apply that if you looked at what the what the loan options were for a six-year-old, eighteen and a half thousand dollar bike. Yeah, that, by the way, versus a twenty-two thousand of... dollar bike. How? What's the odds that you can afford the former and that you can't afford the latter? Right, and, and for a bike that's already done more miles than most other bikes will ever do in their entire lifetime. Yes. I. I mean, I know anything less than 100000 for a GL1800 is like, oh, it's still being broken in. And to a certain extent, that is true. I, I If it's less than 100,000 miles and I'm buying a GL1800, I'm not super worried about the, the miles. But guess what? 
I still want to get a price break for those miles. Yeah. I'm sorry. A bike with 60,000 miles should not be breaking five, five digits. I don't care who you are. It's if, if we're, if we're past 60,000 miles, I cannot give you more than $9,000. I I can't, I, I know inflation is what it is. I know bikes are hard to come by and what I, I can't do it. Well, that's the thing. If this was the be all and end all, if there wasn't a newer generation, you could kind of make that argument. You but, could make that argument for the F6B because there is no new F6B, I guess. Maybe. Right. So ah. I mean, if your only other option is to buy brand new, but you're still comparing this price point to the brand new bike, then then you're like, okay, well, it's kind of a trade-off. And, and maybe I would prefer to buy new. But, you know, really this is, you know, by supply and demand, this is... This is the going market rate, and so therefore, either I've I've got a, I can buy it or I can fuck off. But the new Goldwing exists, and you can buy yeah. it for not a lot more money. So, and you've got a warranty. Yeah. So I don't know how dealers are are shipping these. Because or how they're moving these used models. It must only be because there's such a limited supply of new Goldwings. But if you want a Goldwing with a six speed transmission now, good fucking luck. You've just gotta buy the DCTs that no that people were too suspicious of to buy. If you want a new Goldwing right now, that's trust me, I've looked into it. Because, uh, you know, Claire's like, she's like, Pete, you want a new Goldwing. Like, you know, look into it. See realistically what it's going to cost. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. I mean, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend that much money just maybe in one more year. You know, I'm like, eh, well, maybe I can just do like a, a 2006 GL 1800 or something. You know, so I looked at it. And like, yeah, you you have to get a, um, a Goldwing toward DCT. If you want one right now, because those were the least popular and you're not even going to get 2022, you're going to get a 2020 or 2021 Goldwing tour DCT and whatever color it is, whatever options it has, you're just going to have to fucking live with. So that's how they're able to do this. They're like, Hey, this one was tried and true. You want to take the risk with the new platform? It's not a fucking risk. It's Honda and it's the Goldwing. Honda never puts out a Goldwing unless they are 100% sure it's the best it can be. It's a premium fucking bike at a premium fucking cost. I, it costs more than a lot of cars. I, Honda, it's right. They're always right. No one's ever complained about their their Goldwing being a reliability nightmare. Like, oh my God, all these Goldwing recalls. You've never fucking heard of it. Also, if you can, you should just go test ride uh, a DCT Goldwing because they are amazing. They are. I'd still rather have the six-speed, but you're right. They are amazing. So, Swigs, you were motorcycle shopping literally today. <laughs> has has inflation hit the price of like new motorcycles? Have you seen it? Supply did before Supply, inflation. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. Um, well... The only bike, the only price I was paying attention to was the price of the Valkyrie, and they didn't dare raise that. 
What was what did you get it for anyway? Uh so the sticker price was sixty five hundred. Oh nice. Hmm. It's oh it's worth that all day. Yeah. Yeah. And that was and that was the price before inflation hit and they didn't move it. Yeah. So I was like That's a good buy. This is kind of one of those ridiculous ra- rationalizations like you know, I'm practically making money buying this bike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it really like is like a is new bike. Me. It's su- <laughs> it's in such great condition. It really is. Yeah. I I'm and again, you said it was what 60,000 miles? Uh 58 58. Oh, yeah. That's that's nothing for that motor. Yeah. How many years do you think this bike would carry you? Oh. Yeah. Forever. Maintained. Yeah. For, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this this could be, like, my only bike for probably the next 20 years. Yeah. That that engine is known with, with, with the proper maintenance. 200,000 mm-hmm. miles does not shock anybody on that motor. So even this bike, even this worst bike... Is still, a, I mean, there's better options sitting right next to it, but it's still a good investment. Oh, the bike itself's amazing. There's still mm-hmm. nothing wrong. Honda didn't. I'm, uh, part of me is like amazed Honda even made the the 2019 or 2018 GL 1800s because this bike is still a spacecraft from the future. Yeah, if you've never ridden. A, a, a GL1800 motor. I, I've ridden a GL1800 Valkyrie, never a GL1800 Goldwing, but even just the GL1800 Valkyrie is a spaceship from the fucking future. Yeah. It is so much more powerful, responsive, torquey, dare I say sporty, than you would ever think it is. And again, the, the maintenance intervals are crazy long they are car-like maintenance intervals uh it and then this gl1800 i mean the the stereo systems the the luggage the way it's all put together it's still totally up to date there's nothing wrong with it if the its only problem is that the new ones exist yeah, and we have this weird pricing issue. The bike itself is—it's the fact which will say is perfect. Yeah, the only problem is that yeah, the new Goldwing exists, and the new one isn't thirty thousand dollars. It's like, well, two, you can buy. Well, you can't. You can make them thirty thousand dollars, but it's but, but twenty six. But equivalent out the door model isn't hard to accomplish like, either. If you get like the fully optioned out like twenty seventeen model. Um, like there are some places still listing those for 20 grand, but you can get a really specked out, um, Goldwing tourer, like current generation for like 23,000. And again, if we're talking like 15 to $20 on your monthly payment, like that's not like who's the person who can afford the the previous generation the payments on the previous generation and wants it but the but getting a brand new current gen goldwing is just a little too out, it's just out of reach is, like is honda d- paying you guys to do this episode <laughs> is, is this a paid promotion they they secretly did hire us all right you got it. <laughs> 
It's, it, it sounds too good to be true, Swiggy. You're losing money if you don't buy it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, Swigs. It's a, uh, and this is from a guy who, who last month took a big trip on a 1989 Goldwing and was impressed. Right. Mm. I, 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 this is such an amazing bike, but you're, I have to, you're right. The value proposition is upside down because five, six, seven years earlier, you know, than than a new Goldwing, the, the value of this one will just drop off a cliff while you're still making payments on it. I mean, if it's just a bike that you're going to keep forever, I, in a way, it doesn't matter. But eh, I don't know. Yeah, if I yeah, I rather than go 2016, I would I would go new. Otherwise, I would go all the way back to 2006. And mm. just deal with like 123,000 miles and go, you know, I'm going to have it for five or six years until I afford the new new one. Someone whose newest bike is 2006, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> well, but then my it is newest, a my newest bike right now is 1978. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> my bikes right now all fit between 1959 and 1978. P- Peter's off on a, a motorcycle adventure right now. He's <laughs> off. He's on a motorcycle spirit quest. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. I, I own the gyro, and that's 2017. Uh-huh. And, and that's fuel-injected for Valve. You're, okay. You're first non-carbureted. I know. It's my first fuel injection. It's a, yeah, fucking, that may, that may it's be, a fucking moped. <laughs> you know, that may be our first fuel-injected purchase since the Norge. I, I think it is. I think we've had, like, six carbureted and mostly two-stroke bikes yeah <laughs> i know i know okay so uh let's move on to best bike in the world this week all right you ready yep and the best bike in the world this week is anything fitted with a zongshan 212 okay so this is a this is really more about a motor than it is a bike but there has this. been an amazing trend on YouTube, if you don't know. So Zongshen has been making clones of Honda flat motors for a long time, right? This should come as no shock to anybody. And Zongshen, they make clones of Honda 70s, Honda 90s, Honda, you know, just any sort of old school flat Honda motor like you would see in an old um, Super Cub or whatever, right? And, you know, more modernly, like the 125s that they're throwing into other stuff. So they pulled out all the stops and they made a 190cc a few years ago. And now they're making the same bike with a different crank and a longer stroke, and they've got it up to 212 cc's. And for anywhere between $1,000 and $1,500, you could now buy a motor that is 212 cc's, 18 to 20 horsepower, depending on which website you're looking at, that will go into, say, 
a CRF 50 or a 1960s monkey bike or a CT 90 or a whatever or a Honda or an old Honda three wheeler in ATC. And there is this, I'm, I'm so happy about this YouTube phenomenon of dudes buying old 60s and 70s Hondas or things similar enough and just throwing these Zongshen 212-18 horsepower motors because this is enough to hit 80 miles an hour. So there are people getting monkey bikes and CTs and super cubs up to the... And they're fitting big carbs and... A couple people have been brave enough to supercharge these things, and it's just... Can you fit it in a C90? It Yes. This is as close as I've seen to the dream of just bolt-on horsepower. Because it's two bolts. Right? It just mounts <laughs> with those two bolts, right? You put a carburetor on it... I. You attach the throttle, you put the chain on. I mean, that's really it. There ain't a whole lot. I mean, it sounds like an e-bike conversion almost. Um, Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So there's a lot of people just, you know, taking their their old... um, what are, what are those uh, the the one that people seem to be doing it the most with? What's that Honda model where it's a it's a it's a fuel tank in frame? So it's the seat, and then there's like the bar under that, that goes like uh, the frame goes like you know is all like below the seat out to the handlebars. It's like a, it looks like a motorcycle that's missing the tank. You know the one time? Um, hmm. No. I know what you're talking about. Here. I just don't know what it's called. It's the Honda 70. Um, this one. These old Honda 70s. Um, the Trail 70. So this motor just bolts okay, right in here. Think, I, I had a picture of something like this, but I just... I had the faith that you would not have forgotten the trail. Yeah, anyway. Peter. So the, these old, like, trail, they're bolting these motors into trail 70s, and, like, people are just riding them down the interstate. Because they're like, <laughs> I can do 75. <laughs> Check it out. It's ridiculous, and I'm so happy it exists. I mean, that sounds terrifying. But- right. But it turns out that China has finally perfected with just enough quality the dream of bolt-on horsepower, right? Bolt-on horsepower is something that people have believed in mythically for decades. But you you remember how people, you know, kind of wanted things to be wireless for a long time, but they weren't really wireless. They were radio, right? Remember Mm. wireless headphones were just radio headphones, right? Until one day they were wireless headphones, right? Bolt-on horsepower, kind of like how everyone had the uh, everyone had like the iPod attachment 
to like wirelessly play to your radio, but you were really just like you go and go for an you FM were just, band you were that no one wanted. FM band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't really wireless. It was radio. Bolt on horsepower for a long time hasn't really been bolt on horsepower. I I think this is legitimately bolt on horsepower. This is plug and play. For a thousand dollars, that's it. Uh, well, I mean, plus a carburetor and setting it up. So for anywhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars, your old weird Honda can do eighty miles an hour. That it's not complicated. You don't need to be a mechanic. You don't need to be a specialized tuner. You don't need to open up engine casings. You don't need to do a cylinder kit. You don't need to replace a crank. You, you don't even need to split a case. Yeah. You just bolt it on. I, oh. The dream can be yours. Yeah, a, I mean... Of a bike that was never designed to go that fast. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have all kinds of other issues with, like, you know, like, tires and things and what... But, I mean, like, the bike will do it. It's not an issue. Um, let's just, like, just Google Trail 90 212 here. Um, we'll we'll find one. Um, Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, I'll go back up. Oh, did we did we pass one? Uh, not too far. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, I know what we're gonna Google. I'm I'm doing the wrong thing. We just need to look for. This is great pod. I know Zongshen two twelve, Grom clone. And well, anyway, the point is that we're gonna find one here in a second, and then we're gonna get like a lit. Here we go. Swap Zongshen. See, here we go. 212cc versus the 190, right? Here's here's two dudes that have each done, like, one's got the original 190 and one's got the 212. And look, they're, they're going on a state highway to do a drag race and compare them, right? Here's the deal. Billy thinks this is amazing. I, this is what's happening on YouTube, guys. Look, here. Rebuilding a Honda CT mini bike. Bike wheels of the 212, you know? Um, this is happening. Look, here's, here's an ATC with one, the killer <laughs> tricycle, the killer yeah. tricycle guys. <laughs> it's, it's the best, right? Bolt on horsepower. Finally for me, but I will be shocked at mid Ohio. If we don't see a couple of these, uh, this is, this is, uh, this has kind of been happening within the last year or so that this, this built version of this motor. Right. And, you know, I, are there going to be reliability issues with it? I don't know, but I don't fucking care either. If you're building a super cub or a trail 70 or, or, uh, whatever, or if you're taking an SSR like one, two, five or one ten, and throwing one of these in there, cause it'll fit those too. Right. Anything that takes a Honda flat motor or a flat Honda flat motor clone. This just drops into except there's one Honda ATC motor that like frame that's weird that has front mounts as well that this won't go into. There's one Honda ATC that won't, but I almost everything else. It's like, sure, go for it. 
I yeah, I've seen videos of like I said, super cubs, uh, uh, monkey bikes, all kinds of shit. Just they just throw one of these in and go. It's weird because the motor's not that long either. You'd think it would be like way longer than a one two five or a seventy cc motor. I think it's just like a super fat bore. So it's torquey as well. Let's look up some of the specs on this. So it's like 18 to 19 horsepower, I think. Um, uh, what's that torque right there? 13 Newton meters. What's that in foot pounds, Swigs? Like nine foot pounds of torque? That's like nine to ten. That's 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 pretty good. That's that's like two stroke. That that's about what um that's only very slightly less than like a Stella or a PX150. Yeah, so you're going to achieve a 0 to 60 miles an hour similar to a car. Yeah. Um let's see here. Um yeah, it's a 5 speed, which is ridiculous for such a for such an engine. Um uh it's kickstart only. And uh, yeah, the rest is like pretty similar. There's nothing super duper complicated about it. It's just, they've managed to find the absolute largest package of a motor that will fit into these little mini bikes. That's it. I mean, I don't know what, what's your guys thoughts. I'm super stoked about this just because I love the bad ideas that are coming out of this. Uh, I think it's awesome. Um, well, especially there, you know, it's, it's awesome from the perspective of, well, well, what were you just talking about last week? The, the problems of the 50 CC scooter, because it's, right. it's now underpowered for how we, how people drive today and the kind of traffic you need to ride in. Maybe your your Trail 90 doesn't have enough power anymore. And maybe you're tired of working on this super worn out, maybe a little abused 90cc motor. And you just want to say, fuck it. Let's get, let's get five for cheaper to eight more than horsepower. refurbishing the entire motor. Yeah, for, just for, get one of these. Yeah, just order the motor, bolt it on, and you know maybe you're not going to go all the way to redline and fifth gear on this. And I mean, you got to at least once, but yeah. but you're you're going to have that surplus power that'll make you feel happy riding this into town again, like in the same way that you might have back in the '80s or in the '90s when everyone was a little bit more chill. And when cars weren't so good. And yeah, this this sounds like an opportunity to give a, a whole bunch of old frames a new lease on life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just keep the old motor so you can sell it as original. But by comparison, I'm this winter going to be doing a lot of work to the Lambretta motor, right? And if I want to get the Lambretta motor, not to 18 horsepower, but to like 11 or 12, 
I guess spent like 500 bucks on a 185cc kit. Then I got to spend another like 300 bucks on a 24 mil carb that'll fit inside the whole thing. I've got to then buy a different crank for the motor. I've got to buy different mag housing, 500 bucks again on a new ignition, um, new primary chain. I've got to do, and by, by the time it's done, it's going to be like $2,600. Way, way more than this. $2,600 probably by the end and two days, two entire days in the garage. Or you can spend $1,000 and just bolt it to your fucking bike, right? It's a like $1,000 for a weird Chinese motor to go into a mini bike sounds like a lot of money. It's kind of a deal. So... Yeah, I, I've been th- waiting for stuff like this for years. Yeah, like I think little little Honda Accents and Honda Civics. How many of those are in the world? I'm sure dropping a little engine in it, boom, similar to this. I mean, a company from China is probably doing it because there's so many scooters in China and around the world. This isn't even for scooters. This is kind of for underbone bikes and mini bikes and things. It's I mean there's a, there's a lot there's a whole category of bikes in Asia that take flat motors. So yeah, like in in Vietnam or the Philippines, like this is like the equivalent of turbocharging your your Subaru STI. Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking at like the the Southeast Asian market, if you're looking at India, well, probably not India because of the import tax. Like this is probably non-existent in India. But if you're looking, there's lots of places in the world where these Chinese motors are are not where you know, and historically all like identical licensed copies of Honda motors. Um. But yeah, yeah, look at this. It's uh, it's sixty four bore by sixty two stroke. It's it's over square or under square. Sorry, it's under square. No, no, over square. Because it's all yeah. You would expect the wider one to be under square, but it's over square. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's so so torquey too. That's ugh, that that was when I really fell in love. When I was like, ooh, okay. 18 horsepower. Okay, we can hit 70 something 80 miles an hour with a light enough bike, but oh, but it's going to pull really well. Yes. Yes. Cuz it's one thing to be able to hit a certain speed. It's another thing to be able to put this on some sort of ridiculous little mini bike and then know that you've got the torque to take it up a jump. Or something. <laughs> Not that you should. You definitely shouldn't be doing the, ba- you know, trying to hit tabletops and shit with these old Honda mini bikes because you don't have the suspension. Trust me, you don't have the suspension. But it's nice to know that you could. So, so I'm into it. All right, we're at an hour twenty-four. We got to keep moving on with games. All right. So, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to do MCLU or do you want to do made-up motorcycle? Did MCLU last week? Well, we're gonna do both. Oh, okay. Oh, we're, okay. We're just gonna do a quick round of each. All right. Let's do made up motorcycle first. Okay. So, uh, Le- Patreon supporter Leon 
fucking nailed it with the suggestion that made-up motorcycle we should do with marsupials since we have such a strong Australian um, listener base. There's a marsupial in North America. Uh, What is the American marsupial? Well, hold on to that. Hold on to that. So... So we're slightly altering altering the rules for for made up for made up motorcycles. So usually we would each come prepared with our own category and names. We're going with listener suggestions. I think we're just going to do one round around the table. We're each going to do one, right? So we'll start. Who do you do you want to start with giving me one, Mike, or should I start with giving Swigs one, or should Swigs start by giving Mike one? I'll start. You'll start. Okay. We're going to do a full rotation. We all are going to be on the same category this time, right? Now, for listeners who don't know, what we're going to do is we have to give a name to another person at the table. That person has to then decide what that motorcycle is given just a name. The ideal Made-up motorcycle name is somewhat plausible, but a little bit silly. And that's and and the points are imaginary. All right. So I believe Leon said it should be Australian marsupials, but I'm just gonna open it up to any marsupial. So hit me, Mike. I'm definitely doing the Colin Opossum. Oh, you're right. That is. Fuck. Okay. The opossum. The possum. Oh, fuck. What kind of motorcycle is the possum? Whoa. Okay. I already know what this is. Well, that's not the game. (laughs) Okay. The possum. A big part of this game is showing up each other. Yeah, so I mean, when I think about the possum, I'm thinking about its tail. It's sort of like beady and nosy. I think about George Jones. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The possum, it's nocturnal. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's good. Okay, so in the late 70s, early 80s, Honda did a version of, I want to say the XR, which had these gigantic bug eye uh, headlights. Really powerful. And it won them a couple Baja races. So I'm going to say that the possum is... Because Honda kind of still secretly makes the XR in this weird way. The CRF250F is an air-cooled single 250cc four-stroke four-valve that is basically a Honda XR disguised as a CRF. I'm going to say that they're going to make a fully road-legal version bringing back the 80-style overpowered dual headlamps, and for its nighttime trail ability, it's the possum. That's good. That makes sense. 
nighttime bike. It's 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 ba- you know what it is? It's the CRF 250F FL Rally. The opossum. Good. That's good. <sighs> that was tough, but, but I got there. All right. I want to hear what Swiggy had. What his So so Swigs for wait, for wait, No, no, no. I want to know what Swig was just going to say. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. What's your version of the possum? Cuz I've got an idea too. <clears throat> well, the nocturnal aspect comes into it, and the concept of playing dead. Um, but also, the fact that a possum can carry its entire litter on its back. This is a military vehicle. Okay. This is a an electric stealth motorcycle that Ooh. goes out in the dead of night. And it carries with it a swarm of... of RC mo- cars? Of RC cars. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> so if there's anything we've... If there's this a, is like the Transformers well, where if there's any cassette tape comes if there's, out. One of the, the big takeaways we... we I sh- think you should just stop right now and save this for whatever the next marsupial oh, you're given <laughs> is. Well, here... No, here so, if there's... A term we've all learned from the Ukraine war, loitering munitions. Oh. This is this is a little vehicle you can just go out in the dead of night and just release all of these RC cars that are basically just little bombs. And you can wow. just spread them out. Wow. My idea was mostly off the playing dead, because... I thought the carrying all marsupials have that, but you're right about the possum with everything carrying it on his back. The other marsupials don't really have them all running around like that, like on their okay. back. But uh, but the playing dead, I thought like this was a very overpowered, powerful road warrior motorcycle, but it looks like like shit. Okay. <laughs> like like it's all mad maxed out and it looks like something that's just horrible and it even it even has the stench gland where it like releases <laughs> <laughs> where it like releases blue smoke and you're like oh something's wrong with that thing and then once the cop is gone it's like <laughs> all right swags are you Playing ready dead i'm ready the koala the koala it's oh. a marsupial, right? It is. Okay, good. Uh, it's a shitty marsupial, but I guess it technically is. Uh, the koala. So, hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a lifeline. No, I, will I already also I, I, accept. I, I, I will also accept the drop bear. No, I, I've got it. The koala. Th- this is pretty easy. So. So some facts about the koalas. Koalas sleep about 18 hours a day. The rest of the time they spend eating eucalyptus. Don't they have a lot of STDs as well or something? Uh, virtually every koala has chlamydia, or so I'm told. Yes. Which confirmed is either a is tragedy. that going to play heavy into this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a tragedy or a flex, but um, okay. So, koalas eat eucalyptus, which is not very nutritious, but they somehow make it work. They sleep a lot. 
people kind of think they're cute, but really they're pretty disgusting animals. And this sounds like a little somewhat cute, kind of a little bit of a pudgy, hypermiling, uh, biodiesel scooter. Oh, the biodiesel angle. I like this. Okay. So, so this is this is a flex fuel like um diesel scooter. So this is our tractor motor. Uh I, well, I, I don't know. It, so a flex fuel scooter. Um the koala. All right. I like it. I have a better idea, but it's okay. Uh, For the Koala, what I would have done is it's just simply Subaru's Motocompo. Okay, yeah, yeah. Subaru, just as a pure marketing gimmick, just the Outback will have a little mini bike that you can stow in the back and... That's it. Because the idea hasn't been a has it's been long enough someone can just steal that idea from Honda and get away with it. Mm-hmm. It could it, it would have to be electric for you know, because Subaru and, it w- it and w- the w- environment, yeah, yeah. Subarus are all about love and blah blah blah. It'd have to be it would basically be a bird scooter that that Subaru sells as an attachment to an outback. And this is better than my idea how? Well, it's more likely to actually exist in the world than a biodiesel scooter. I don't think that's the game. (laughs) You're right. It's not the game, but... I don't have any good ideas for Koala. A biodiesel... I'm trying to think of the feasibility of a biodiesel scooter. So, so, I mean, by biodiesel, we basically mean corn syrup. I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? Well, like vegetable oil. So, vegetable so, oil. Yeah, I mean, like compression it, has to be really high on diesels. You're going to um, have to have some really weird Kickstarters. Yeah, someday. what kind of power is this going to make? Oh, well, it's it's the Koala, so jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, what's your real... Enough, what's, how do you really feel about koalas? <laughs> Those cute endangered animals. <laughs> this is going to be metropolitan power. Okay. Uh, mm, okay. All right. All right. I, I like it. All right. Okay. Okay. Biodiesel. Biodiesel scooter. All right. I got nothing on koala. Mm. They uh, they climb trees, and you can get a any scooter to like power a little incline lift rail. You know, there's a there's That's a, it. That's one of the tricks of this game is if you really have nowhere to go, just invent a new category of electric bike or scooter, but biodiesel is an angle I don't think we've done before. So so that that's strong, Swigs. I like it. All right, now you got to hit Mike. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Sugar Glider. Oh, the Sugar Glider. Whoa, out of left field. So Sugar Gliders are aerial, so... We got our flying bike, right? <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Well, but, no, hang, on, hang on. I mean, there, there's a lot of bird-themed motorcycles. It okay, doesn't have right. to, It doesn't have to fly. Like it, no, could, this one flies. Okay. okay. <laughs> Remember Sky Gypsies? 
Um, oh shit! Peter, that, Peter remembers Skydancers. Yeah, dancers. those are the. Well, I might be thinking of Sky Dancers. Just, just YouTube Sky Gypsies. It's uh, um, it's basically uh, it's these guys who went around on I don't know what they were, but they're basically motorcycles converted into. Oh yeah, the, they're ultralights. Yeah, ultralights. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Going around on ultralights. Well, oh, these are ultralights, except. Their whole trick is they get up to the height and then you shut the engine off and then they glide down, right? Well, I mean, I I know. Well, hold Which on. you can do on, with any on. kind of ultralight. The, the idea of an ultralight that you can just remove the uh, the the wings and then mm-hmm. ride as a scooter is not that ridiculous. So if we think about a gyrocopter. Mm-hmm. The 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 Benson B twenty eight or B twenty four, the otherwise known as the gyrocopter from Pilot Wings, is I think a flat four motor, like a Volkswagen type flat four motor, and it has a prop, or sorry, it has a, an output shaft that then has a. Um, it splits into two output shafts. So it spins the propeller up front, but also a propeller in the back. Well, you could just cut power to one of those and fold the wings very easily. Well, there's 8 million different ways you could do it. You could just run the, the forward prop off of a, uh, off of a friction. What's well, a rear joint. prop. Yeah, but you could... You a could, front prop's more fun. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> but you could also just do um, do a friction motor off the rear wheel and not have any complex joinery. I mean, it's a great way to destroy tires. Although, I can't imagine you're going to be doing thousands of flight hours in this weird motorcycle glider hybrid. Oh, I will. <laughs> I I personally love the idea of ultralight aircraft. It's so much more feasible than people think it is. It's just I we don't have enough local airports really for it to make a whole lot of sense for people, but it's not that crazy to get into. The barrier is like, you know, that 20 grand by the time you teach yourself to fly, take all the lessons, buy a secondhand you know, ultralight, put money into it to fix it up and stuff. I mean, it's not that crazy. Don't miss your service intervals. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, most of these ultralights are made too, that they can just glide, Uh, you know? Oh, and then it's called sugar glider because um, it's, uh, it's biodiesel also. (laughs) 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 Corn syrup. Uh, all right, I think that was pretty good. I, I think we all we all had very different angles on something, and I think they're all like we've had less plausible <laughs> plausible bikes. Okay, all right. So let's end this now with our newest and most recent game, which we got some pretty good feedback on. Um, we don't have all the votes in yet from the Patreon poll, but as of right now, seventy five percent of votes are that I won the game last week and 25% of the votes are that nobody won. And in fact, everybody lost. (laughs) 
And so no one agrees that Swigs won. So I, I'm taking that. Outrageous. That's, that's fantastic. Um, you know what I deserve? Wait, do we get more votes if we're I a higher tier? I deserve an applause. Wait, do we what? Do we get more votes if we're a higher tier? No. <laughs> I'll work on that. So here it is. If you missed last week's episode, here's how it works. We are going to challenge each other to defend the indefensible. This is the Motorcycle Civil Liberties Union. We are stepping up to defend those that would not have a voice otherwise. These are the most despised, looked down upon, and sometimes fringiest, sometimes just the most belittled, blind, and maligned uh, trends, models, things in the motorcycle sphere, right? So last uh, last week we had to defend things like the get-back whip, motorcycle cup holders, right? So we're going to go in a circle. We'll start. We'll just do what we did. Mike has to challenge me with one. I'll challenge Swigs as one. Swigs challenges Mike, and we'll see where we get. All right, so Mike, ask me to defend something. All right. Peter, I'm feeling pretty bad about motorcycle handlebar warming covers. Hippo hands? Hippo hands. Okay. Convince me that they're good. Hippo hands, if you put them over bark busters, work amazingly well, right? Now, they are not going to work still like you think they're going to work. But if you take hippo hands and you own something like, say, a KLR650 with bark busters, and in case anyone doesn't know what hippo hands are, it's basically like a weird elbow-shaped piece of a wetsuit. Like, like it's stitched. They're stitched the way wetsuits are, right? Am I making this they're up? They're like hand mittens, like or like the muffs. Right, but they, they go over your wrists, and they're comically large. I don't know why they need to be that large, actually, now that I think of it. It's hard to defend hippo hands. The... the, the <laughs> The the hole should be smaller. I don't know why they're so big. It's it's like sleeve of they're, wizard. They're one size fits <laughs> all. Probably. No, Peter, you've gone from adding an unprompted qualifier to the argument to now just straight up shitting on hippo hands. No, no, so no. This is not going great no, no, no. so far. But but no, no, no. It stands that if if you if you get a pair of hippo hands, which are these weird, I want to say they're probably like twelve inches wide. And another 12 inches long, then with a weird, like, three or four inch bit off, you know, to the left well, and they're right. They're not a boutique product, Peter. Yeah, anyway, they, so, so you slide, you slide them over your handlebars and then you slide your hands in them. And the idea is that it gets the wind off of your hands. Now, their big problem is that anything over like 32 miles an hour, all of a sudden, the they're so large that the wind forces your hands to be pressing your brake and your clutch at the same time. So you're straining 
your fingers to like hold your clutch and break open weirdly. But if you have bark busters, all of a sudden this isn't a problem, right? Now, if you want to do winter riding on your scooter or something, it's a little weird to fit bark busters to like your Honda Metropolitan or your Honda Helix or, or just your regular town bike. Mm-hmm. It looks a little odd. How ironic but, is it that the Yuli comes with bark busters and I didn't have them on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but if you spend the extra $50 to put bark, like the cheapest pair of bark busters that has ever existed, a straight up Alibaba bark buster special, it instantly transforms hippo hands into the winter riding promise that you would hope they would be. Mm. That's good. That's good. So there we go. That's mm. my defense of hippo hands. There's also a possibility that I tied them up wrong and wind was like coming around under them. I, there's, it's hard to mm-hmm. use them wrong. It's a one piece thing. Yeah. Also, if you, get, thing. if you get a simple little wire frame, because the thing that I thought was super dangerous about them wasn't the wind pushing on your like brake. Um, it was what could possibly yeah. <laughs> be more dangerous than that. It, it was rem- <laughs> removing your hand to like mess with your Cena or something. And then trying well, to put it and then trying and to get trying it back, to put in, it back the weird, in the weird and, lizard yeah. wizard sleeve. That is uh-huh. the hip. And it's like opening. flapping in the wind. And that, that was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But again, the bark busters would somewhat fix that. We, we've engineered away these problems. All right, Swigs. Okay. I got to hit you with something hard, but I don't want to be as mean as we were last week. We went pretty hard in the paint last week. We did go pretty hard in the paint last week. Let's let's go with something that's middle of the road. I would like you to defend Riding with a flipped-up modular helmet. Okay. Well, as we all know, three-quarter helmets are already a thing. And they have their place for more casual riding for people who are maybe going, you know, city speeds, 25 to 35 miles an hour. You've got all sorts of options to to get goggles or to have a windscreen or to do whatever. If you're doing a lot of touring and you're going through a lot of different places, some of it's going to be highway, some of it's going to be city, you're going to be all over the place. There's going to be times when you're just stopped and you don't want to take your helmet off, but you've got to do some little maintenance item or some faffing around that you don't want to just take your helmet off for. And the modular helmet has essentially now been basically as reliable as just a standard full-face helmet for safety by the ECE standards. Not so much for the Snell standards, but that's because of a few little quirks of the Snell regulations and how they classify helmets but especially if you're on just a big if you're doing a world tour or if you're just doing a multi-day trip there's so many little things where 
just the convenience of not having to take your helmet off to get a breath of fresh a breath of fresh air is worth the money and worth the very tiny potential compromise in safety of having your helmet be modular than a fixed full face helmet. Well, no, I'm not. Def- I'm not asking you to defend the modular helmet. What I'm asking you to defend someone riding around all day with their modular helmet flipped up. Depends on what they're riding, maybe. Well, it just might be that... (laughs) Wait, okay. Because we've all seen this, right? Guy with modular helmet just riding it around like he has a three-quarter helmet because his helmet's flipped up, like, for 50 miles plus. We've all seen this. Okay, well... Is there maybe a situation? He's, maybe he's just really well prepared for roost. You know? <laughs> I, uh, Dad's been real guilty of this one in the past. This is true. We finally got him to buy a legit full face helmet. No, the, the safety of the modular helmet, I've worked my way past. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But... People, uh, I have to say, a group of riders that I traditionally like, Goldwing riders, big offenders on this one. It's true. Um, so, uh, what I would say is, ultimately... If you are behind, if you're on a big tour, then you're not going to be all that worried about facial injuries. Yes, that's a very commonplace to to land on the pavement, but ultimately, when you're behind a giant bike like a Goldwing, you're not really going to go over the handlebars like you are going to on a naked bike, and Ultimately, some other part of the helmet's going to impact first. So you're not really worried about it from that perspective. Well, on the Goldwing, you've got the airbag, even. And you potentially got the airbag as well. Yeah. You'd be crazy not to put your visor up. Um, <laughs> you just feel that. Safe. You're losing money if you don't flip the visor <laughs> up. Uh, but also, you know, there's elements of, of just... Um, fatigue from riding especially if you're if you're riding a lot of different bikes you know if you if you ride a a naked bike and you've got a full face helmet and it's all well sealed it's great for wind noise you take that same helmet and you sit behind a giant fixed windscreen you are going to be gasping for air because there's no air circuit. There's no there's no air going under the helmet. There's nothing do, getting giving you any circulation. And a lot of the times you'll flip up your your visor at the very least, if not the whole front face of a modular helmet. And so if you're riding multiple bikes 
it makes sense that you may want to be able to flip up your visor and ride your Goldwing with the visor up. And then if you're riding a sport bike later on, you'll want to flip the visor down. And having that flexibility, I think it's it's justifiable to ride with the visor flipped up on a large tour. Okay. I think we can boil that argument down to those of us that flip the visor up if we had a modular helmet, we would be guilty as well. We just don't happen to have modular helmets. I think that's that's fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe someone whose hair is just so luscious that it's plugging the vent holes on their modular helmet could really go for pop yeah. visor. Like the guys from LMFAO. All right. So, Swigs. You got to hit Mike now. Oh boy. Okay. I don't know if this is this is this is going to be tricky or not, but I'm going to go and say, Mike, I need you to defend suicide stands. All right. So, wait. Hold, what, yeah. First what's off, a suicide de- yeah, de- stand. Define suicide stand for us. So this is something you see on a lot of really really fancy Ducatis. And other Italian bikes, where the bike sits, first of all, very nearly completely upright on the stand. But also frequently the stands are spring-loaded to spring shut. Uh. So that if you were to take the bike and tip it up a little bit, the kickstand would immediately fold in and then you could just drop it. So you just stand the bike up and the... So, what? So, like, the kickstand is constantly under spring tension to spring up. Up. To spring closed. Well, so every kickstand is under spring, but they're engineered in such a way that once you get past 90 degrees, they hold themselves open. These are stands that don't hold themselves open. At all? Correct. What kind of war criminal came up with this? Well, well, well I, and, well, and I have been, ta- I've been, tasked. I've never even heard of this shit. Look, it is, it's all right, fallen Mike, on me to defend it, this. It okay? has. I don't envy you. All right. Holy shit, Mike! If you can do this, I think you're gonna win. How? How many times? Have you pulled out of a parking lot, you lean a little to the left, and then it's scrape, right? I'd be lying if it and doesn't then, happen once a month. Yeah, and then you break your damn ankle, and you smash into a school bus. Uh, okay. Because you left your kickstand out when you pulled away. It would be suicide to not have one of these stands. <laughs> case closed. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I don't think you're supposed to say case closed, but I rest my case. No, wait. So if I'm so what you're saying, wait. So what you're saying is because there is the risk of riding off with your with your with your kickstand down. 
that this completely eliminates that possibility. That is God's truth. So I'm going to make a little argument that I would say the majority of times that I write off without my kickstand up, I did hit my kickstand and I thought I flipped it up, but I really just flipped it into that no man's land little zone where it's almost all the way up. And then when I do, you know, lean left, I, I hear a little, oh, and then I look down and it's, it's already flipped itself back up. Right. I, I feel like <clears throat> without the risk of horrendous, um, you know, write off damage to fairings on expensive bikes. We already solved this with the kickstand sensor. Right. That, uh, that refuses to let you put the bike in gear without the kickstand up. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I, I, so, I do so like Mike, the argument for older bikes, though, actually. I, for older bikes, this makes a lot of sense. I, I hate to do this to you. No. I, I don't I don't know if you had it. What about what about the children in that bus? So so if I can, can can I take a swing at the suicide stand? Go for it. So the idea of the suicide stand, as you already pointed out, it's gonna be fitted to your ZX ten R's, your Panagales, your Ducati V four S's your fancy bikes. We're talking about a group of elite riders that know what the fuck they're doing. These are guys that have spent or gals upwards of $8,000 on their custom leathers. They are hyper aware of their surroundings because they're hyper aware about their image and how they're being seen. And the suicide stand is all about that perfect exit on the bike, right? It's one thing to show up. Anyone can show up on a flashy bike, right? You pull up to the rock store or your favorite biker bar or whatever it is. And if the bike's flashy enough, everyone sees you pull off. And, you know, there's sort of a really super ultra cool thing to just like still be sitting on the bike whilst you take your helmet and gloves off and all those things. And you you dismount whatever way you want. And it's all like, oh, I just showed up with this motorcycle. But leaving on a motorcycle impressively, that takes a little bit more. That's all about efficiency of movement. That's all about a little flair and pizzazz. And that little thing where you you walk up to the bike and you put your helmet and gloves on without stopping. You do it as you're walking to the bike. And you get on the bike, you put the key in as you're swinging your leg over, right? And you lift the bike over. The kickstand flips up half a second before you hit the start button, right? And then you just take off smoothly. The suicide kickstand is for the ultimate rider who is super confident 
they are never, it's not about the fact that they might not kick their, their kickstart up. It's about that. It's about that exit. Cause that safety measure is just in the way. It's not about safety. It's, it's about, it's about leaving the bar. It's about leaving the club. It's about leaving the dealership. I don't know. I think it's pretty fucking good. That's good. That's, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I think this is another rousing success, guys. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking back to the koala. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking about the suit. What I just did. I'm thinking <laughs> about this is good. This is good stuff. All right. So, all right. In a cup. In a few days. By by. Um, so I, I do want people to know that you're not going to be able to meet up with us on Thursday at Mid Ohio. If you do end up, it's going to be Fridays. The earliest you're going to be able to find us. But again, remember, find Kentucky Corner. Okay, and we're going to be within 10 campsites of that. Look for the weird Japanese three-wheeled scooter. Look for a tangerine Vespa. Look for a 1959 Lambretta. And generally look for an RV with a lot of mayhem going on. And you will find us and the Motorcycles and Misfits and Cleveland Moto and all kinds of other magical things if you are sane enough, if you value your time enough, if you I aren't a sad sack of shit, you will be at mid-Ohio. Fuck Sturgis, fuck MotoGP, fuck, I mean, don't. But, but, you know, this is, if you've never been, this is the thing that you need to do. This is our pilgrimage. This is our, yeah. You, you need to do this if you haven't done it before. Ask anyone that's been. So with that, we're going to sign uh, out also, on this one. Oh, sorry, oh, Mike. No, also just look for a bunch of discarded cans of pineapple Natterday. Oh, yes. There will be a trail of Natterdays everywhere I go. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> like breadcrumbs. Like breadcrumbs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the trail of Natter Days to your is own Nokomoto like, sticker. Is this going to be like the the King's Islands, like Paw Prince leading to the Beast? <laughs> exactly. Just, just follow the Natter Days. Yeah, follow the Natter Days, and you'll find me drunk somewhere. Uh, also, uh, us, the Misfits, and Cleveland Moto will also be doing a live podcast from uh, from from uh, from. Vintage days. And then I think after that, we're also going to try to get a movie commentary out finally for the dirt bike kit. And then after that, it should be MotoGP starting again. Yeah. uh, Second week of August. Yeah. We've got a Ducati book that someone sent us for free that we need to review. Plus all the Japanese motorcycle history. We got so much like regular show that we need to get to. So we're going to be getting back on a regular schedule and hitting all that content. And with that, yeah, please keep sending in ratings and reviews. We didn't get the 200 I was hoping for guys, but we got a few of them. 
let's. I would like to hit before the end of the year 400 reviews. It's so doable if you just, if just. Uh, 10% of you really just took it to heart and decided to actually leave those reviews. Come on, let's do this shit. All right. Leave us rating reviews. You have no idea how much it helps the show, how much it helps with the social proof of the show. When we want to do things like get these media credentials, the amount, you know, they, they don't know what our download numbers are but they know what our review numbers are. So let's let's get this in order, guys. Oh, here's a suggestion. I recently switched from one platform to get my uh to get my pods to a different one. And I discovered that said default platform sucked. And now I'm much happier with other platform. Perhaps if our listeners also realized that their prior platform sucked and switched to a new one and then left you rating reviews on that new platform, it would boost your Both numbers. Both are great. Yeah. Both it would be great. a win-win. It would be a win-win. So let's do that for us, guys. And let's, geez, we're at two hours. So let's sign out on season six of the Nokomoto podcast. And we'll see you again after Mid-Ohio when we reset everything in our lives because this is the thing by which we set all our clocks and it will be season seven. All right. You ready guys? Let's do it. And I don't want to die. And I just, just want to ride on my, my motorcycle. motorcycle.